Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? This is one of those questions that just kind of hangs in the air all these years later. Jesus has a knack for this. (laughs) We're asking these really uh, difficult, revealing questions, a way of cutting to the quick a way of asking the kinds of questions where you don't even realize it and you, you take in a breath of air really quickly. <laughs> Who do you say that I am? At first the question was, who do others say that I am? And I'm pretty sure that the disciples felt like they were on pretty safe ground with that one. They give answers that they've undoubtedly heard whispered as they walk along the road, likely the answers that they have been working through as they toss and turn in the night. And so they offer these answers, uh, John the Baptist, or Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. That's all well and good. Given the signs that Jesus has shown and the ways that he is teaching his disciples to live, seeing Jesus as a prophet makes sense. I wonder if some of the disciples then breathed a sigh of relief. But Jesus doesn't stop there. In fact, Jesus rarely stops there. But who do you say that I am? Now there's no more hiding behind what others say. Now the question has been focused on those closest to the teacher. And I imagine a moment of uncomfortable silence for those disciples. Some are now looking at the clouds, Some are now examining their sandals. But this feeling of discomfort should not simply be reserved for just those disciples. Because in the text, it's a plural you in the question, who do you say that I am? And if this question had been asked in, uh, say, southern Palestine, it might have been, who do y'all say that I am? (laughs) As is often the case in our Gospels, this question, when it's in the plural, isn't just meant for those who are traveling through Caesarea Philippi that fine day. This is a question for you and for me. When we're asked by others, by friends, 
by coworkers, by family members. What do you say? Is Jesus a teacher, son of God, a prophet, loves true light, a friend? When you're asked, how do you answer this question of who this Jesus of Nazareth is? As we contemplate this question, I think it's really important for us to know today that Jesus asks the question once they have entered Caesarea Philippi, and I don't think that this is incidental. I think this has purpose. You see, Caesarea Philippi was a decidedly cosmopolitan place. Unlike, uh, say, most of the United States uh, since its inception or many of the places in our world for the past thousand years or more, Jesus is asking this question, who do you say that I am in a highly contested theological space? Jesus didn't ask the question in Jerusalem or even in the Galilee. You see, Caesarea Philippi was a district teeming with shrines to Pan and many other gods. So unlike what we might assume at first glance that this question is asked in a context where the answer is obvious, this came in a highly charged space, which might feel familiar to us living in a context in which there are competing voices and powers that vie for our attention and for our loyalty. And like Peter, often this contested theological space can make our answers to this question, well, feel more risky. And at the same time, it can offer more contrasting clarity. Because sometimes when our beliefs stand out starkly from the culture around us, our path ahead becomes more clear. I think this is why Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, is so remarkable to me. I, I, I couldn't quite let go of it this week. And it's why I believe it to be so iconic for us living in the Bay Area in the 21st century. Because like for Peter, it is not always easy for us to share our trust in Jesus the Christ. In a space where some people are dismissive or sometimes even hostile of those who profess to follow the Christ, we often find it easier to say what we are not, what we don't believe, why we're not that kind of Christian. And it's understandable, given the centuries of abuse of Jesus' teaching. In reaction to the damage that's been done, that's being done, we shy away from witnessing to the life that we have found. And once again, it's Peter, <laughs> lovable, fumbling Peter, 
who shows us a faithful path, not a perfect path, but a faithful one, and gives us a witness of putting words to our belief, and that this is not the end of a faithful life, but in fact, the start of its journey. And this is why I find Peter's confession to be both startling, but also um, fascinating and actually hopeful. Because it is very, very likely that Peter did not fully know what he was confessing. I say this because nothing that Peter has seen of Jesus up to this point of Matthew's gospel backs up a first century understanding of who the Messiah the Messiah, the Christ, who the anointed one was supposed to be. What were they waiting for? A prophet? Yes. A teacher? Sure. But he was expected to be a warrior, which Jesus decidedly was not. A healer and a peacemaker? Not so much. A defeater of death? Not really. I think this is part of the reason that John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, sends some of his followers from his prison cell and asks this question, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? But something, something has captured Peter's imagination. And he has seen enough that he blurts out something that he has very little to back up. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, next week, we will find out dramatically that this Messiahship is not what Peter expects. Not at all. But in this week's gospel, we have a witness to a faith that he feels is so true that he can't help but say it aloud even if he cannot fully articulate it. And this is what I find to be so hopeful, that Peter is able to confess his belief without the need for completeness. And if the rock of the church can do this, Even later, letting go of a belief when it no longer holds in the same way, then there is hope for you and me as well. And I believe this is what Jesus is asking of his followers, then and now. In a world of competing visions, with corporations and countries demanding our allegiance, Jesus is asking us where we place our trust. Because where we place our trust is where our attention, our heart, our lives follow. And it's my experience that somewhere along the way to come, often at times or in people that we least expect it, this question will arise. And we will have to give some words, imperfect as they are, 
because we will be asked. And words must be given. Who do you say that I am? <laughs> 